I'm Max Temkin. Now I'm Patrick Kloppen. This is episode six of the Rewatch Podcast. This week we are watching episode six of Lost, The Moth. This episode of Rewatch Podcast is brought to you by Igloo, an intranet that you will actually like. Are you feeling deserted in your job? Is collaboration with the others failing? Igloo's cloud internet platform makes it easy to stay connected at work. It's built using easy-to-use apps like file sharing, blogs, shared calendars, and task management to unite your office. You can start using Igloo for free at igloosoftware.com. Can I ask a stupid question? Yeah. What's an intranet? So an intranet is like, we're way past what we've been paid to talk about. No, but no Igloo, I'm now but Igloo I, is, this is, this is, yeah, this is okay. off, off the clock. All right. I don't know what an intranet is. Yeah. So an intranet is like if um, – so let's say that you and the other Giant Bomb guys, now that you're distributed, you're like, we need some way to keep track of all of our files and like chat with each other and have a uh-huh. calendar and stuff. If you did not want Google to like own your entire life, you would have some – if you were like more corporate, you would have like some sort of actual like – Basically, like an internet, but just private for your company. Oh, okay. Yeah, All that's right. it's it's essentially it. Um, an igloo is like just interstate a, commerce. It's yeah. Like- so these and these are like if you've ever had to work at a corporate a big corporate job, like I guarantee you, CBS by the way does have some sort of horrible intranet. Oh, I'm sure. But like if you've ever had to use one of these things, I mean they are. Shit, they I are get the emails worst. to register for stuff. Yeah, all the time, and then it's like a countdown to read. I, I register and mm-hmm. then never use whatever software I'm registering. It's they're truly terrible design because they know that companies are just going to pick the safest thing, and they know that the employees don't get any choice in whether they use it or not. Yeah. So these things all stink. Um, and Igloo is really cool because it's made by it's it's way more of a startup and it's made by product people and it's it's actually like probably it's, made by a bunch of people that have used all of this garbage yeah. software. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really well designed and I think they've been really. Um, I mean, I I think um, um, I, I definitely see some similarities in Basecamp, which is sort of in a it's not an internet, but it's, like it's a chat one, right? Yeah, Basecamp is more of just like project management. It's mm-hmm. like it makes it easy to share projects. But what's cool about um, Igloo and Basecamp is like they I think they're pretty thoughtful in what they choose to include so a lot of people would look at igloo or Basecamp and say like oh this doesn't like have literally every feature in the world but i think there's actually a lot of intelligent thinking that goes into like what is this thing going to do who's it going to work for uh how do we make it really usable so anyway and it's uh you can do you can do a free trial uh, i said the url it's uh igloosoftware.com slash loss we should probably set one up for the podcast actually yeah we can uh, have a we can have a calendar. Look at that! Oh, we can have a calendar. I know. Uh, wait, there's nothing on the calendar because <laughs> we don't schedule anything until the last second. Yeah, our, um, text me- our, our text messages can go on this intranet. Yeah, there you go. That'd be about that'd be about the uh, the amount of preparation. Our weird our weird YouTube videos that Eric Pope sends us. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think of the uh, of the episode this week? It's good. Um, it well, okay, it's qualified. It's good. Uh, it's. I really like the character of Charlie. So, you know, without getting too much into where that character goes, like I, I really like Charlie. Except the problem with this episode, I think, is uh, like in if I had to s- summarize my feelings with it, you start to see some real limitations when Lost tries to be hitting you over the head with wanting to have something happen, which I think is a little bit of what happens in this episode, and then also running into budget issues. Like, this is a show that tries to be more grandiose, and in the pilot, actually is grandiose. And not that the caves don't present an interesting sort of philosophical and uh, discussion for, you know, everyone in terms of how they feel about their future on the island, but it also comes across, and in this episode especially, as, wow, it's a lot cheaper to shoot out a set <laughs> for a long time. I'm sorry, I started eating these peanut butter pretzels. Well, I, I forgot that I there was the a... Last of the grin- I I was the monster who I went to go eat look for a snack so I went mm-hmm. to the snack pile. Mm-hmm. You, so you came saw, in here. Well, let's start from the beginning. You came uh-huh. in here eating a frankly a delicious looking granola bar. Yeah, it's it's four o'clock. It's it's right. It's Kashi, prime Kashi prime snack time. Patrick comes in here eating a delicious granola bar, and I said, "Oh, Patrick, what's that? Uh, what's that delicious? What's that delicious looking granola bar?" And Patrick goes, "Oh, it's just uh, some office food that we have." It's uh, it's in the back, so I get <laughs> up out of box? my chair. Yeah, there's a box. There's a whole box of them. So I get up out of my chair and I walk to the back and I go into the little pantry and I find the box of granola bars. Lo and behold, there's the box. Not a nary a granola bar in the box. <laughs> <laughs> Real dick move. Yeah, yeah. But you left the box just so, helpfully so I could find it's it. Channeling Sawyer in all of this. Yeah, is really really what this is all about. So now I I accidentally ate a whole handful of these. Um, Peanut butter pretzels with the microphone in my face. So I, hope, I hope all of you enjoyed that. Oh, peanut butter pretzel, you can't go wrong. Really, well, I'll say like these are Snyder's 
brand peanut butter pretzels and i'll say the problem is i think the snyder's people as you know they're mostly known as pretzel people mm-hmm. i think they're a little prideful of their pretzels and they didn't put <laughs> enough peanut butter because the thing that you want is really mostly peanut butter yeah. flavor and then the pretzel is just a little crisp container it's a little it's like when you have like a reese's peanut butter cup like yeah. i could go eat chocolate right like reese's peanut butter cup like i'm not there for like fine chocolate i'm there for a little bit of chocolate. It is a method of conveyance to get the peanut butter into your face. Yeah. And I feel like the Snyder's people, they're too enthusiastic about the pretzel, and they're not enthusiastic about the peanut butter enough, and this mm. is, it's mostly pretzel. So I'll be, I'm eating a lot of them because I'm, <laughs> I'm chasing that uh, – I'm chasing the uh, – Well, man, I guess I'm chasing out the, for them. The, the, the peanut butter dragon like Charlie. Oh, wow. I was hoping if you weren't going to do it, yeah. then I was going to come up with a crude way you, of tying you've that You've asked into... me for these peanut butter pretzels two times now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's do some follow-up, and then we'll, uh, we'll get into this uh, uh, silly episode. Um, You've you got to take this first one. This is really funny. Yeah. This is actually uh, – and this has inspired us to maybe track down and try and do a segment in a later episode. But uh, Gavin Fawcett asks uh, from Twitter – um, and you can you know shoot stuff to us at Rewatch Podcast, uh, and we'll we'll try and start incorporating some of the the Twitter stuff. We've mostly had emails, but uh, we had some Twitter stuff this week. And um, so Gavin asked, uh, if Telltale made a Lost game, what would you want it to be like? Maybe stuff we never saw, or just the show in game form. So there was a Lost video game, which at some point we will stream and play, just because I thoroughly hated enjoyed uh, playing it. Uh, Lost via Domus. It uh, came out for the PC, PS2, and Xbox. Um, and so, like, what he what he asks is intrinsically tied to Lost Via Domus, in that Lost Via Domus was conceived as though it would be integral to the Lost experience. That this was going to be, like, just a much bigger... Like, when Lost would take breaks between seasons, there would be... This didn't happen early in the show, but especially in the back half of the show like, really involved <laughs> ARGs that would happen during the summer. And they were awesome. They were a lot of fun. They would give you clues and teases about where the next season was going as they were filming it uh, before it premiered in September. But they were sort of inconsequential. Like, they filled in some little mythology details, but they weren't uh, essential to, to watching the show by, by any means. And they were, they were going to try and straddle that line with this game, but it seemed like very clearly... You know, running a show became more important. Games take several years to make, like a bare minimum for like a, you know, medium scoped, like, you know, they call them sort of like B, B-level games uh, that they don't exist as much anymore in, in the industry. But that's what Lost Via Domus was. And that takes at least two, three years to build. And that's half of the show of Lost. So at some point, they had, the writers sort of removed themselves from the process of making Lost Via Domus interesting at all because they couldn't put anything interesting in it because if they put anything meaningful in the game a require you to play it which would sort of go against the nature of a mainstream show uh requiring you to watch or play something like a game b the story might have changed right like they might have decided to ditch like a crucial plot point they were embedding into this video game that no longer made any sense or contradicted the show so also like i think especially even by the time you're seeing the moth like it's not like they're like over brimming with like these great story ideas that they can start spiraling right. out into like video games and stuff. Like, let me see when Lost Via Domus. When did it come out? Fairly, I want to say between Lostpedia says uh, 2008. So yeah, it came out uh, four years. So I guess February 26, 2008. So that means it would have been in the middle of the fourth season of the show, um, and. Uh, which, if you do play the game, you'll realize they, the only thing that actually is worth seeing at the time in Lost Via Domus is uh, the ending. The ending sort of, not canonically, but thematically ties into some of the weirder stuff they get into uh, later in Lost. But if Telltale did, I don't know. I think that's like the real... like when well, I mean, that's, you, that seems like the absolute right format for a Lost game. Because Lost is not about... It's what would you do? Like a first person, like a shooter, where you have like a, a far like a, cry, we're a, on an island, sling or bows and arrows, and you get weapons, and like it just doesn't ch- it doesn't sound it doesn't feel right. Yeah. But a very narrative based thing where you have limited choices, but but every path is really interesting. Like I would, I want that. That would be great. I I like all that in theory. I think the real problem that any maybe it would be easier to do now. Now that the show sort of is concluded, and you're not there's not as much 
hinging on where it's possibly going. So you have the show and its mythology in totality, like unless they decide to revisit it at some point or reboot it in, in some fashion. But the, the problem that Via Domus had was didn't know where it was going, so they couldn't contradict anything. Now, if you know the entire show, it's possible you could construct okay. a side story that was still interesting. I, I came up with just now, I came uh-huh. up with the greatest, I came up with the way that you, this totally should have gone down. Okay. I can't say it because it's huge spoilers. All right. But after the episode, let's talk about it in spoiler chat. Okay. I've, so this is after the theme music. We'll, we'll do a couple minutes of uh, spoiler discussion and I will pitch to you my okay. lost okay. uh, telltale game. Yeah, I think I have a great idea. I I throw I also throw this to the audience. If you guys have like I I just struggle to think how it would be interesting. I've played a lot of well-meaning video game uh, you, adaptations, you like, like 24... the Walking Dead games, right? Yeah. Okay. And in the way the Walking Dead game, so that so this is also the problem, right? Like, is Lost Vidomus is very fixated on having you play as a character that's not in the show because obviously you would have to do that, but then it tries to weave itself into all the characters you want to see from the show, and it it just doesn't work very well. Right. Whereas part of the reason The Walking Dead works is because these characters are in the same world but don't interact with the characters from the comics. So it allows them to tell their own story. It allows them to not contradict what's happening in the, the main storyline but still have a meaningful story to tell within that same universe, which is, like I the, guess... There's like, there's like a certain confidence, too, in the Walking Dead game, because it's like, okay, we have this world and we have this tone and we can nail this in a variety of different topics or in a variety of different media. I mean, and like people don't necessarily just watch The Walking Dead to see the main characters in the TV show. It's like it's a place you want to go to. It's a world you want to think about. And it sounds like one of the issues for Lost was like they had no faith in that it was like, okay, I just want to like hang out on the island and get that Lost atmosphere. It's like, no, we have to like see all of the sights and meet all of the characters. Yeah. And, like, oh, God. Like, I mean, they take things so literally to to create gameplay sections in that, like, in the pilot, they hide from the monster by hiding in these bamboo trees. Mm. And so there's, like, multiple segments in Las Viadomas where you're just sprinting from, like, bamboo tree to bamboo oh, tree as game. the monster is, like, chasing you around. This game sounds so Banyan bad. trees, banyan trees, not bamboo trees, banyan trees. This game sounds so terrible. Oh, and they couldn't, they only got some of the voice actors? But you're telling me about the lock, the horrible oh, lock. Oh, Terry O'Quinn's not in it, but they have a Terry O'Quinn in, in Tim. In oh, it's so bad. Oh, so bad. Just look up uh, on YouTube. We'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Lost Via Domus Banyan Trees. Meet me in the Banyan Trees, buddy. <laughs> like that's basically what his voice sounds like. Oh, I hope I can find the audio file and put it in the in the episode right now. It's in it's in the YouTube video. I okay. send you the YouTube video and you can you can add it in. Oh. Hey son, over here. I'm over here at the banyan trees. Hey son, over here. I'm over here at the banyan trees. Hey, son, over here. I'm over here at the Banyan Trees. Meet me um, on the podcast, Max. <laughs> God. Um, you know, we should find that voice actor. You know, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, that's a, that would be in... in uh, as the show has gone on and I've we realized I'm not him. going to find real actors from the show... I bet I could find voice actors. We should hire him to do the intro to the show every <laughs> week. <laughs> I'd be really silly. Oh, All right. Uh, our next uh, piece of follow-up is from Ryan. Um, this is a, p- a piece of follow-up from uh, House of the Rising Sun. We were, we were trying to guess last week how long Jin um, had been working for Sun's father. And he says, you can tell how long Jin had been working by the age of the dog. He goes from a puppy to a dog in one scene. That is a great observation yeah and i love that is great storytelling by lost very very clever i love it uh so i think that would what that would probably be about two years which is what we were around what we were guessing yeah or, or at least at the very or least two it's, years it's minimum years yeah. and, and and he had told son that it would be well it must be longer than that right because he had told son it'll be two years he'd spend one year in management training and one year at the factory right so i think the implication is like this adult dog like is could be five or six yeah years. well it's and it's not even I, know, I mean i don't think the dog is necessarily like what are you gonna like cut it open and count the rings like it's not <laughs> it's not like exactly how much time but it's yeah it's just reinforcing the idea of like a lot of time has passed and things have not gone as promised 
All right. Uh, all right. So our our next question, uh, um, Jordan, FWC says, "Hey, Patrick and Max, can you guys be sure to note all the bad wigs that are coming up this season? <laughs> Thanks. Love the show. Yeah, I." So I'll be honest, that, like, I, comes to mind. I never notice a wig or a toupee and it's, I know, I mean, there's so many people who it's like, you, you know, it's like a celebrity or something. And mm-hmm. then it's like, everyone's like, Oh, that guy has the worst toupee or whatever. I never notice it. I can never tell. I just I feel like I notice bad facial. I hair. always assume good intentions in people. And I always assume that people are being <laughs> earnest and like honest and forthright. So it's like, I never occurs to me that someone would look a way that is not the natural way that they look. Fat Adama. I like. I knew it wasn't great, but it, did, it didn't. <laughs> bo- it didn't bother me the same way that it bothered you. <laughs> it didn't bother me; it just made me laugh. Fat Draper, bad fat makeup. Oh yeah, the fat uh, Betty Draper and Betty Draper. That was pretty good makeup, though. Bad fat suit. Really? Was it? Oh yeah. Go back and watch that. I don't. I watched it and I was like, "Wow, did she put on a lot of weight?" I was oh, very convinced by very it. Very bad fat suit. All right, I'm no good at this. Uh, anyway, we'll keep an eye out for wigs. We will. I can't yeah. Think of any. Um, so th- the next one is amazing. This is from Jana. She texted me as soon as she watched uh, House of the Rising Sun, um, and she said, um, "The honey." So the honeybees. So you guys know Jana's a beekeeper. I think we mentioned in the podcast. Mm-hmm. So she says the honeybees that were used in House of the Rising Sun, the ones that. Flew all, uh, flew all over um, uh, Charlie are actually male honeybees, and they're so they're drones, and they don't have stingers. Um, presumably, why they picked them. Uh, so most were CGI, and some were flies in real life. But the ones that they used in in the show in the live shots were just male drones without stingers. Oh, so that's why they can they can land on you, and you don't have to worry about it. That would still yeah. creep me out. I think uh, I'm not like a, I don't have like a do thing you against think, bees, Do you think? Do you think? Who's the actor who plays Charlie? Dominique. Uh, yeah, <laughs> do you think he was doing those shots? There's no way, right? We like with and they're like I can't remember. Does it? So I remember a lot of close-up shots showing the bees crawling on him, but does it yeah. like show his face? Does it? Pan it does up? show his face. Yeah, you do see his face. I don't know if they ever show his entire body, uh, which is maybe why they are able to get away with showing. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at that shot again. Be but interesting they, if he if he was up for having a bees crawl all over him. I. Oof. I wouldn't be up for. I guess I'd be up for that if, if I was going to be on Lost. <laughs> hey, you can only be on Lost, but you have to have tarantulas crawl over you. <laughs> that would be that would be a tough proposition. Oh, uh, spiders you'd, the you'd only be, thing that you'd be like the the Nikki and Paulo of uh, yeah. Lost uh, extras. Uh, yeah. Was that right. a tarantula? It was some sort of bug. It was a spider, scorpion, spider, something. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about the moth. Um, I thought uh, I thought this episode was actually better than I remembered it. I remember being bored out of my skull watching this, and actually, upon rewatching it, I I really dug it, and I thought that there were some good moments in it. Yeah, you were I was not very, in a good place when it was revealed what the next episode like. I was very was. I was very negative about it, and most so one of, so again, I think this is I think the Charlie flashbacks are often pretty bad. Um, and they tend to focus on one story that happens over and over and over, which is like he's in the band and they make him do drugs and he's sad and he's got no direction in his life. And they just show that over and over and over mm-hmm. and it be, like beats it to death. But, you know, like a lot of these flashbacks, like I was bringing a lot of baggage of like other boring Charlie flashbacks to this one. And I think this one was actually handled pretty well. And there were some great moments. I like the psych out where it starts in the confession booth and, um, you know, you're like, well, how is this going to. Right. How is this all going to connect to him being a heroin addict? Um, yeah, that's actually probably one of the more like interesting bits about, you know, this gets a little later into the episode, but you just, I think, assume that he's always been, like, yeah, he's you been on this he's heroin a... path for a long time. Like, he's just a, just a shitty drug addict, and, like, he doesn't really deserve redemption. But then like, they actually end up painting, like, a pretty interesting arc. And, like, I found it really interesting. Uh, I had... Uh, my brother was in a band, like no like hardcore drugs involved or anything like that. But like the sort of like, I think if you have had a sibling that you were very close to, like the kind of fights that sometimes Charlie and Liam have, like you've had those fights like with your brother or sister before, um, not about being a rock star or, or like overuse of drugs, but just like those sorts of flare-ups happen all the time, and I think they handle all of that pretty pretty what, well. What band was your brother in? He was in a band called The Audition. They were, like, you know, not... They were sort of based off uh, the template of Fall Out Boy. 
Um, and they did reasonably well. Uh, they, I mean, he, the audition toured the world like a dozens of times. Wow. He, they, they never lost what is, money, but what did, they he, never, what did he play? He, uh, he played guitar. Um, well, he played bass and guitar based on like different lineups in the band and when things changed over the years, but I yeah. didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. No, they did like, that's really cool. They didn't like break out, but they did, uh, well enough that they were able to travel. Like my, I could spend the rest of my life being very focused on wanting to go on vacations, and my brother will still have seen more of the world than I'll ever see in the rest of my life. Like he got to, hmm. he got to do something pretty cool. But yeah, they're in a band called The Edition. They're they're pretty good as far as like pop punk bands go. It's not like super my thing, but I I can recognize that we're pretty good at it. But um, and so yeah, it's at well, I I will say, I went on tour with them once. I refused to get in the van. Mm-hmm. They were in like a shitty, like <laughs> gross van. So that's ac- that part of the episode is accurate. Oh my god, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just like this tiny little thing that's always breaking down. So you should come on because they would come through San Francisco all the time. Like you should hop on and just come for like five dates and then just fly back. And I'm like, I know. Like you are fitting six people into a van that fits comfortably four. Was it? I'd... Was it? Was it? Was it? It was a van, not a bus. It wasn't like a nice oh, bus. No. Okay. So, okay. but then they started getting on Warp Tour. Okay. And, and Warp Tour is like one of the big summer pop punk festivals. Uh, it's less so these days, but but certainly uh, five years ago. And they got like a real tour bus, like with beds and, and things like that. So I finally, I, I got like went with them for like five days. And like groupies, they were a thing. And watching the way groupies descend through the band hierarchy was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. I was like on, I was on the bus with them and there was this group of girls and they were clearly just there to try and hook up with the band and they would work their way through. And at some point later in the night, uh, one of the girls who was left, like all the other guys had split off. And then she's like, well, who are you? And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm like the, the you know the bassist <laughs> brother, and she was then like kind of started trying to come on to me. I was like, oh wow, this is where you've gotten to. It's like this is how off the tangent on the groupie bus you've gotten. Is like I guess I'll settle for the brother of the bassist in the band. I was like, I I need to get out of here. I was like, this is I'm glad I'm glad I know this exists. I think it's funny. I think it's gross, but I have to get out of this very uncomfortable That's situation. So weird. Yeah, I was like, this is sad. It's still sad. I don't want to see this. Ha- I don't want to see this play out. So what? Anyway, what what happened to you with your with the band the, or with your brother? Is he still a musician? Uh, yeah, he's still a musician, but you know, people they were together for like six years, and then people grow up, want to have kids, and they that is incompatible with being on tour three fourths of the year. So, is he a Lost fan? No, he was on probably he was probably on tour during the duration of Lost. So not you don't watch a lot of TV and movies uh, during during that time, but. Uh, uh, Anyway, yeah, I actually thought about that a lot when I was watching the episode, just because, just because I have that as, as a touchstone with, with Charlie. Yeah, intro. That's so interesting. Um, but for the show, it's it's well, it's, I mean, it's interesting to me because it's like the so some of the backstories I think get really really interesting the more they add to them. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Sun and Jin, the more you learn about them, the more I think they get really interesting. Um, Hurley, the more you learn about Hurley, the more interesting he gets as a character. Uh, Locke, the more you learn about Locke, like the more interesting he gets. And I think Charlie and Kate, who are probably my least favorite backstory characters, it's like the more you learn about them, the more they're like cliches. They're such cliches like for charlie they're going to do every drug addict cliche and every (laughs) band you know rock band cliche yeah and for kate it's like every convict uh uh cliche you know it's very one note right but it maybe if there's something that like that like rings true in in that like band experience like i just assume that's such a that the stuff they're showing of the rock band is so cartoony and so tv i mean all cliches come from some yeah nugget of truth even if they are exaggerated and sort of like pummeled into the ground but i mean they're cliches for often for a reason but i mean i think my you know my problem with the moth which you know i think i i also like more having watched it the second time is it's just it's awfully contrived from start to finish like that concluding shot when he sees the moth fly off as he 
has a tear rolling down his cheek. It's like, come on, Lost, come on. Yeah, that was, too, that was Locke, too much even for Locke me. Locke just like smiling, like, yeah. like, like uh, g- 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 uh, cleverly into the camera. Like yeah. The more you know, Lost. Like it was, it was too much of a, of a TV moment. Um, and you know, off, you know, it's just one of those moments where the show is can be very good at telling parallel thematically parallel stories in the flashbacks on the on island stuff like that's that's something they strive for a lot especially when uh it's it's early on and they're trying to define these characters and and how they're trying to redefine themselves on the island i just i think the charlie one feels a little forced and then not helping matters is a distinct feeling that while the caves are, are a really interesting sort of you know i think for the characters to explore about how they feel about the island and their future on it it Damn, does it feel like they are? They realized, oh no, this budget needs to be condensed uh, tremendously if we are going to produce twenty three episodes of the show. So, uh, so let's just really quick. Let's go through the. Let's just summarize the, the flashback story. So it mm-hmm. starts off. I mean, re- I mean, it's just not that action packed of a. There's not flashback. much to it. Yeah, right? it's like, sort it's of. Really it's a lot leading... of vignettes of Charlie's mm-hmm. life where you sort of see him. Um, Start doing drugs and having um, uh, fight with his brother. What are the scenes? There's like the there's like the what are, well, like it, opened, it opened to the confessional, and then that's when they realized they've gotten the uh, the record contract. They were going right. to stop doing the band. Like it was not, wasn't really going anywhere. Uh, uh, Charlie seemed kind of done with it, and then Liam's in the the church and reveals that they are about to like really hit it big. And right, then right, right. It's and then it cuts to. Later in the episode, when they have really hit it big, and they had made a pact to one another in that church that, hey, if things get out of control, if it stops being, you know, in the most clean, you know, and they, I guess this is itself is a cliche, like, if it stops being about the music, bro, uh, then they would stop doing it. They would drop being in drive shaft and just, they wouldn't do it anymore. Uh, but uh, then the, the, you know, the flip happens where Liam goes over the edge. Well, it jumps, it jumps to the the party with all the groupies, yes. right? And they're, like, clearly all high on They're all messed up. Whatever. And Liam, yeah. Liam missed sound check, and he, uh, his, he missed rehearsals. And that's where Charlie decides to put his foot down and says, hey, I, this is the moment we talked about. We need to just drop all this. Like, the, the band isn't worth it if it's going to ruin us and ruin your life. Uh, I don't – I guess I didn't really buy the turn that happens there where mm-hmm. he has his falling out with his brother – so then he picks up the heroin and starts doing heroin. Like right. I, I don't, I don't know if they quite earned. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I've never been a drug addict, but I guess he hasn't been at that point either. Well, I just me, don't know if I. Have a, I have a question. Let's say you're at a party and you got really sad, uh-huh. and there was just this bag of heroin there. Would you know like exactly what to do with it so that you had the right amount of heroin to feel your, good? You put it in your teeth, right? So I, I know that because you see that in the in episode in the in the pilot part two of Lost. It's just in general, but like, like Hollywood tends like. You, but that's like a. I wouldn't know. I literally wouldn't know what to do with a bag of heroin. I think it would scare I, the shit out of me. Like, am right. I going to kill myself? Is well, it like a thimble? Yeah, right. It's like, do I put yeah, on my do you teeth? Do like a do you do like a pee or a gumball? Do I rub it all like, over my teeth? Like, do I need to evenly distribute the heroin like front to back? <laughs> Is do I put it on yeah. my tongue and rub it around? Yeah. I would not. I mean, it's amazing to me that 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 was the thing that was silly about that scene. Is he's just like, oh, I'll just do this heroin. I know exactly. No one will show me. I'll know, I'll just know exactly what to do about it. I just feel like they could have, they could have driven that point home a little. Like they needed to stretch out Charlie's despair mm-hmm. to earn this moment where he becomes. Like it's not hard for me to fill in the blanks, right? Like well, I think it would have been better if he. I don't know. I just, like, he picks up the heroin and he looks at it. If, like, if he had just, like, kind of glanced at it, I don't know. Maybe then I would have felt, like, that my imagination filled in where he went from there. It just felt so... It was very after-school special. Yeah. Like, like oh, I'm going to do these drugs. I'm so sad. Fuck my brother. I'm yeah. going to put this heroin in my mouth. Yeah. Um, that it tastes bad. Yeah, I mean, maybe there was something. So, what was the thing that the brother said? He goes like, he's like, without you're you're nothing without the band, essentially. Yeah. So maybe there is like a thing of like Charlie's going to be like, oh well, I'll, I'm as serious as anyone else about the band, and it's like doing doing the drugs is like you're you know it's like I will fully invest in this, right? Like because if the band 
you know, it's like, this is the, I'm going to be into this, into this culture and like dependent on the, I don't know wherever the drugs come from. Like you're sort of like, I think it's, I think, I think it's a little more that thematically Charlie is a character on the island feels like a bit player. Like he, right. he doesn't feel like a leader. He doesn't, he's a, he's a tag along. Right. And, that, and that's yeah. his, you know, that's, you know, not to bring it back to my brother and I like, but that was a lesson of my brother and I, when we were younger, when I got, when I was, you know, like 13, I started writing semi-professionally or started getting paid to write about games. And, um, my family thought that was amazing. Like I would constantly get sort of like showered with praise and like, you know, I was going to like E3, like I was doing all these things when I was really, really young. Mm-hmm. This was that, two, two, three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, that, Sorry. Yeah, that's couldn't, never, never heard that joke before. Couldn't help it. Um, and, uh, you know, it was something that, you know, was, was uncommon. And it was, it was kind of extraordinary. And so I would hear about that from, you know, like when we would go to, like, family gatherings, people would be like, oh, wow, well, like, what did Patrick do? Where did he go? Like, I can't believe he's doing X, Y, and Z so young. Uh, and I learned later in life, like, that really, like, sort of bummed out my brother. And then the flip thing happened where it's like I started writing about games and that just became the thing I did over time, and then he got in the band, and then all everyone in our family and friends wanted to talk about was that my brother was so cool that he was in a band, and no one cared what I did anymore. And like, wasn't until like much later that like my brother and I had sort of a, like a come to Jesus moment where we weren't pissed at the other person for having done something that's quote unquote outshines the other person. And I think like that weird spotlight uh, sort of dependency feeling you have when you have siblings and and things like that happen. Like that's the crux of. I think Charlie's dilemma that is, you know, he doesn't, they don't show his father or anything like that. So maybe the father is absent. You know, it's hard to, I don't remember if that's ever explored in Charlie's backstory, but it seemed very much, you know, his older, see his family. I don't think so. Like his older brother is sort of like a, you know, kind of like a father figure to him. So I think being told you don't matter uh, or that uh, you're just sort of a hanger on is like a really, like that's a really distressing moment for Charlie that sort of ends up informing like if that if his brother doesn't care about him nothing else matters so I think maybe that that's sort of the leap that gets him to try the drugs is like he says just fuck it like none of this matters like if it's not about what we got into with this in the first place like if, if, if I'm the only one having values and morals uh, then what's the point yeah it's an interesting um, thing too like a, a lost especially early lost is very much about exploring people's family relationships and the dysfunction everyone has daddy issues the pain in their family it does seem to be a pretty common thread especially I mean I think that, that was something Jeff Lieber talked about in his interview too is like he's like when I wrote these characters I might not have all made them all be distinguished by their like father issues yeah um, and Charlie's interesting because he does a fam- he has family issues and they're not primarily like like father issues he yeah. has this like this this rivalry this um, issue with his brother um, but I mean so many of the other characters I mean really Jack and Locke, the kind of two male leads of the show are just so defined by these terribly dysfunctional relationships. There's even an episode about uh, all the cowboys. All the dad. best cowboys have all daddy the, issues. Yeah. That's a all the so- best cowboys that have Sawyer. Is that uh, the first Sawyer flashback? No, it's later in the, it's the 11th episode. Uh, the next episode, confidence man is the first Sawyer episode. And it's a family. I, I remember that being a really fantastic episode but yeah all the best uh all the best cowboys have daddy issues oh it's a it's a jack episode all oh, the best it? cowboys yeah it's episode 11 really? it's a jack episode they all oh, okay so that's when we'll start circling back around to um you know having a, a second episode for various various characters interesting yeah all right well let's um let's talk about the on island stuff so the main plot on island is this sort of continuing um uh, uh, goal, a project of like figuring out the radio signals. So it's mostly um, uh, Saeed and Boone and uh, Kate, and they're going to try and triangulate the French woman's signal. Um, and they come up with this this plan that. So off the top of my head, I do you know how triangulation works? This might be more of like a Vinny question, really. We can, so we can this. okay. I, we'll go ahead and we'll bump up one of the bits from the trivia section okay. later right now. So uh, I'll, this is uh, from Lostpedia. Uh, although Saeed talks of triangulating, the process only requires two sensor locations, <laughs> not three. Well, the, my, so my understanding, you do need the, the third, but the so third the is... the third the f- point 
is the, the triangle is the target's location. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, it like, is possible he meant trilateration, a process requiring three sensors, or that the writer specified three sensor locations for purely dramatic purposes. I would guess it is the latter of the two. Uh, I know we're being. Uh... That uh, I know we're we're, we're we're being that guy right now. We're like we're like <laughs> yeah, yeah it's not really technically triangulation, Maybe but uh, the banyan tree like, is where we're going to triangulate. <laughs> it's just it just bugged me. It bugged me even when I saw it because I was pretty sure that that wasn't how it worked. And then when it it's like the most prominent. I, th- I think piece of I think what's bothersome about it is that like for example, you know I, I was a, I'm a big fan of of early like 24 and and 24 is a show that is just riddled riddled with bad computer terminology i mean all all scripts are you know they, they use computer terminology as shorthand uh not necessarily to imply the actual act they are describing and i think what's actually infuriating about the triangula- triangulation stuff is that it's really close right like it's not like they just pulled gobbledygook tech speak out of thin air they got really close they were just kind of off the mark Right. And and so if you do want to think about it, so why did they do this in dramatic? What what was the dramatic payoff? So you want the one point at the beach because you have the the little character moment with um with uh, what's her face? Shannon. You know, Shannon. Never remember her name. And then you need Saeed to be off on his own with the radio because mm-hmm. there's the great sort of twist at the end where he just gets like knocked unconscious. And then what the hell happens with Kate? Nothing. Sawyer. Oh, oh no, isn't it? Kate- Kate, Lee, Kate leaves to go uh, oh, with the help caves. with the cave. That's right. Um, and Sawyer, Sawyer does that. So, I mean, there's, there's, it's, I think it's absolutely for dramatic effect, and they just didn't do the research. Was Sawyer, why was it important to have Sawyer be the third one, though? I think it's important because you would think he would be the, he's having a lot of fun on this island. So, I mean, a lot of what the caves, this triangulation, you know, represents is, do you actually want to leave this place? How badly do you want to leave this place? Right. And I don't think it would have been a huge shock to think that Sawyer would sabotage this as as a means of wanting to stay on this island. Right. He's clearly in, enjoying no, you're right. know, a that real is, bout of power. So I, I think never, they're little character moments. I never really thought about that. That's really that's really interesting. And for Shannon, it's that she's not a complete dumbass. Like right. she, you know, I mean, it's not a high bar for her right now. Right. You know, but that's you know, a lot of her character arc is this vapid blonde that they start filling out into you know a more interesting uh character as the show goes on um but i think that's the little moments that that they achieve out of the drama of three people even if it's not you know strictly speaking triangulation is that you get you get informed on sawyer where he stands and that shannon is capable of doing something herself right like she's pawned off this other stuff and that she cares about it like she freaks out when she realizes she hasn't been paying attention, uh, which means that, she, you know, she she feels some burden to to be a help to the other people on the island. So, you know, it's stuff like that that I think is impressive when Lost can do character moments that inform a lot more than what's actually being said. Yeah. As opposed to, I think, what's a little bit hard to swallow about the moth was to just, it just kind of beats you with a sledgehammer about right. what Charlie's going through in this episode. Yeah, so just to we, we should do a quick the other the other big on island story is um, Charlie uh, uh, kicking his uh, uh, heroin uh, addiction and um, uh, going through withdrawal. So basically, like Locke is sort of helping him with this. He tells him the parable about the moth. Like if I helped the moth get out of its cocoon, it would have died. It's like the struggle that makes it strong. Charlie. Uh, Charlie is given. He gave his heroin to right. Locke in exchange for. You know the the guitar, right? And then he said, you know, like if you want it back, you can you can ask for it. Well, and then... it, it wasn't an exchange for. That. I mean, it wasn't quite like that. No, 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 wait, no. But that, said, that's yeah. Locke it's actually a little him. more interesting yeah. than that um, because it's like Locke says, "Well, the island will give you your guitar back." So I always wondered: <laughs> is is Locke just sort of playing a trick on him, or does he at this point is he starting? Is he really starting to like? see his role of, like, whatever he does is, like, the, you know, he's communing with the island to that extent of, like... Yeah, maybe. Um, that would be a more a more literal read of that scene. We didn't... We feel like we forgot to talk about that last week. That would be a more, like, literal read of that scene. Mm-hmm. But um, pretty interesting, like, the idea of, like, he's, he saw into the eye of the island. 
Uh, and he had that whole that whole he went sort of went through that whole experience, and now he's like speaking as the island. Yeah, he yeah he feels yeah. he recognizes himself or looks at himself as a conduit for the island, right. and so he's being presented with things that he is now using as tools to help or inform you know other folks, and he clearly has a keen interest in Charlie specifically. Like he's kind of taken Charlie on as a pet project. He had. Uh, Michael before, right? Uh, because and he had Walt before that. Those mm-hmm. two were kind of entwined, um, and yeah. So then there's like a reoccurring theme of uh, throughout the episode of Charlie coming back to Locke saying, "I want it," and, Char- and then Locke saying, "No," but saying that if you ask three times, you know, you'll actually, I'll actually give it to you. Right. But then, yeah, you know, like the main sort of on a- island drama this week is like a weird contrived cave-in that happens because right. Charlie shouts too loud. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jack like falls into the cave, and they, they, they're worried they're going to run out of air, and then they find the... They, uh, well, Charlie follows them off, and they find the... Uh, the yeah, well, yeah, there. like, they, they're, they're trying to, like... They, they, dig a, they dig a tunnel for Charlie to crawl through, uh, and then when Charlie gets in there, they, they're not quite sure are they going to get out, but then they realize there's kind of an escape hatch. Uh, when when Charlie notices a, a moth uh, floating towards the ceiling, and then they're they're able to make their their way out. Um, the other thing that bothered me about this episode is, and I, I understand why they're doing it, but they're just really pushing the the Kate Jack romance thing just like a little too hard, too quickly. They're really making it seem like Kate just man, she just can't help but fall in love with Jack, and they're just like. Pump, pump the brakes on this, guys. Like, it, it, this doesn't need to get... We're only six episodes in, and she's already fawning and, like, you know, runs over to embrace him as, as soon as he, she realizes that he's alive. And I don't know. I, I, it comes across as a little phony and a little bit of, well, we need, we need a central romance in this show ASAP. Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little Hollywood in a show that I think is, like, the best when it's not... When it's subverting sort of Hollywood yeah. tropes and when it's like not trying to be an action show when it has those great little character moments. And this is, this is so such a romance plot from an action movie, right? It's so one note and it's so yeah. ham fisted at least at this point. Um, I think like here comes the girl like yeah. after the, the hero, you know, has been saved and I don't know. It just, it seems a little ham fisted, which I feel like is, is my general criticism of an episode, even, even though I like it, largely because I like the character of Charlie uh, quite a bit. Um, and the, the one thing that I think that does... So whereas the uh, Kate and Jack stuff seems a little forced, what I do love is what's happening much more naturally and is watching the the, the emergence of the Charlie-Hurley bromance. Yep. Because they, they are far and away like one of my favorite pairings on the show like they're yeah. just so funny together they're just so natural together uh like the actors just play off each other so well and just you know this little moment at the end when charlie you know kind of saves the day and Charlie says like dude you rock and he like goes in for the hug and charlie I, I just, they're so much fun to watch together they're a little bit earlier in the season when they're trying to catch the fish well there are a lot of times in the show they're i think they're kind of the stand-in for the audience yes. and they're just like the norm they're just the regular people on the island like they're not these they're not Locke or jack or you know kate they're not these like action movie people and that's exactly like that's the perfect example of like that show is at its best when it's just has that that those real human moments um and it's not sort of very tv it's just like here's two guys who you can relate to just sort of having very normal, you know, your surrogate reaction to this crazy situation being stuck on the island. And I feel like that's why they work so well is yeah. because it, it, you know, it's not a central focus of the plot. It's just kind of happening as a byproduct of the plot. And they're sort of planting these seeds for like a really terrific friendship. And I don't know, maybe it's because they don't revisit it too often. It's just like you get like one little moment in an episode and it's like, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I really like those guys when they, like you, I really want to see more scenes with them. I don't necessarily need to see another scene with Kate and Jack, and they have like awkward sexual tension talk, <laughs> um, or just like go in circles about the caves uh, again. Um, do you want to do some um, trivia from this episode, and then we'll uh, wrap up and do our spoiler chat? Sure. Got a couple um, of good things for spoiler chat. So let's see. So uh, this mostly comes from. 
uh, Lostpedia uh, as it does uh, for, for a lot of the, the trivia bits that we that we pull up. Uh, one I'll point out is if you uh, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, you, if this was around the time when they started, I think 2004. I guess is it's got to be the earliest that any networks or shows were doing this at all. Uh, is building up sort of ancillary websites in fake websites in mm. support of material in the show. So uh, it's when this episode uh, premiered on ABC in, in November of 2004, they put up driveshaftband.com, which does not exist anymore, so you have to go to uh, archive.org, and I've got a link that'll, like I said, be in the show notes, but uh, they have, like, an extensive, uh, like, it looks so much like a crappy fan site, <laughs> and there are, like, two girls that run it uh, whose names are, oh, I don't have it in front of me, but... Uh, it's 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 if you've ever like I was a big fan of Weezer like in the '90s and early 2000s and if you've ever been to a fan site like they've done a really terrific job of making it really crap they have like frames that don't really work that I'm not sure if it's intentional or if that's just like a byproduct of the the archiving process but I love if you go to the news section uh, it says uh, update November 10th 2004 which is also I think the air date of uh, the moth. It says, hello, everybody. Thanks to a keen-eyed visitor to Second Tour of Finland, which is what the fan site's called. We were recently informed that our site has been hacked into. We've been so distracted by the fact that Charlie is lost that it completely escaped our notice. We're not sure how or why, but apparently someone thought it would be a laugh if they replaced some of the drive shaft facts, photos, and album covers with those of other bands, and in some cases, with entirely fabricated information. <laughs> so it's really cute. It's, it's really funny. Um, and I think this might be the earliest example of them doing like ARG type stuff to sort of broaden out uh, the narrative of, of the show and the mythology of the show and, and giving you some, some other, other stuff to do in between episodes. Um, the, the other sort of bit is that, you know, You All Everybody was not conceived for Lost. Uh, it originally premiered on Alias, which was also a J.J. Abrams show, uh, which was still going on, I think, at the time uh, that Lost is there is there any theory that connects the Alias universe to the Lost universe? I mean, Terry O'Quinn was one of the main characters in it. He played like a I never I've never seen Alias. Um, I heard it kind of really goes off the rails in the last couple seasons, so I didn't. Uh, I never. I, I'm sure there must be some some exhaustive uh, fan theory that bridge that makes those universes Lost and connect. Lost. And I think they were both on ABC. You've heard about the the leftovers theory that connects it to lost right no this is the that's the right name right the damon lindelof yeah show? yeah um so that's all about like there's some event happens and what how many like like a, it's a, it's a rapture-esque event that takes like well two well, percent you don't know what it is people assume it's the rap i said ra- rapture yeah, yeah okay but it's like it's intentionally ambiguous yeah but the great theory is like when the uh, i can't say it it's uh, an event that happens in the finale of lost well, save it for spoiler chat. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll revisit that. But that was the thing that, that makes all the people disappear. Oh. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> all right. And that it's a secret. It's like a stealth lost sequel. Oh, that, I wish that was true. Um, and also, You All, Everybody was released on Rock Band. Oh, um, come on, really? Yep. So you can. That must have been uh, Eric Pope. Uh, it's John Drake, actually. John Drake. Uh, John Drake uh, went to the same school as Carlton Cuse, who was one of not the creators of Lost, but was a showrun, co-showrunner with Damon Lindelof in the first season, um, and and ran through the rest of the the series. So I, I believe that was like a basically conceived because um, John Drake knew Carlton Cuse. I feel like that's how the story went. That's I ran really... a story. I broke. I I had the exclusive on that when I was working at G Four when the finale was airing. So I have a story somewhere about that, but. So yeah, you can. That's you can really funny. That. That's that's awesome. Uh, when Charlie snort, snorts cocaine, um, the actor is actually snorting brown sugar. Oh, that can't sense. be any more pleasant to snort. No, that seems like still uncomfortable. I would not want to do that. Um. So this is a uh, cut scene uh, from the script, and I'll we'll also put a link in the show notes. Uh, Lostpedia has like uh, PDFs of like a lot of the original scripts for episodes in Lost, which if, uh, are kind of interesting to read because often scenes are a little bit different or intentions of the characters uh, are made more explicit or were just removed from the show entirely uh, when, they were, when they were filmed. But uh, one bit was, uh, Kate was to instinctively have shivered when Jack suffered the first Kafin. Uh, during her conversation with Saeed, she would have mentioned her father and would have jokingly suggested that they'd all died and gone to hell, a theory Saeed would have dismissed. So I think the interesting thing there is that they cut what would become a very popular 
fan theory right. in Lost is that they are all in purgatory. Hmm. Uh, which was that that theory subsisted throughout the entirety of Lost. Like there was I never bought into that one. Like it, that just seemed I don't know. Wasn't it one of the ones that on the Lost, the Carlton Cuse, Damon Lindelof podcast, they explicitly said like they this constantly is said not... it's not purgatory, but right. they said a lot of things that people they would never. I shouldn't say never, but they often never boldface lied about when they said something wasn't true or wasn't happening in the show. Mm-hmm. They usually weren't being coy about it. At least with that, I remember them pretty early pushing back like that would be a lame. They, they thought they like early on said that would be a lame way to explain what was going on. So, but I thought it was funny that whether or not that would have been, in, I guess it would have been too early for them to be commenting on fan theories, but that they would have had a line that dismissed a fan theory. Uh, maybe they took it out because of that, was they wanted people to speculate. Um, in the dressing room scene, as Liam exits, you can see various film crew members in the mirrors. You can also see that post-production has attempted to blur them out. It's <laughs> so, like clearly they couldn't go back and do anything, so they just had to go and just add like a, a blur to the mirrors. Uh, that's, that's the kind of thing I would never notice. But now it's like I'll see it every time. They have screen captures on Lostpedia, mm-hmm. and it's like really funny. Like there's another scene that they had where... Uh, when Charlie's approaching Liam's house, uh, when uh, Liam has kind of moved on from the band and has a kid, there's like, I guess, very clearly, and you could see it in the screen cap, like just a boom mic, just like reflected in one of the windows. Like it's so clear that it's there, and once you see it, uh, you can't kind of unsee it. But uh, then we have the bit about triangulating, which I already went over, and the script is online. Um, I thought, uh, so I went through uh, the NeoGAF thread from when this episode aired, and one of the bits, they had, they had two theories uh, that were in there, and it's kind of fun to read what people were kind of thinking about what could be endgame theories for this show uh, up front, only six episodes in. Uh, and so one user said, uh, this episode proves some people's watches are indeed working. There was a theory thrilling around that everyone's watches had stopped, which that would I can see why that theory might float up. Not that that's conclusive, but... Why? Why would someone think that? Was did the did Jin's watch stop? I don't know. I think the, I think that might have been part of a larger theory of like was there maybe an electromagnetic event or something that would have like stopped uh <laughs> stopped the, the the watches from from working. Um that'd be crazy. That that would be crazy. Uh they're in some kind of clinic. This is another user. Uh they are all hooked up to some fake reality machine, something vanilla sky. Um, they all went to f- to find their purpose in life because they felt lost. Some characters don't really exist. The girl who drowned and the pilot. All the characters' stories seem to end in a bad, sad way. Oh, God, that would have been so cool. If it was all just a dream? No, if it was uh, some sort of um, vanilla sky. Simulator. Yeah, that would have been awesome. Yeah, I that would have been better than what was also a popular theory of the it was all a, a dream. dream. Right. What's the show that actually did that? Uh, oh, the it was uh it was in the snow globe. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember I what the show about. is. Yeah, yeah. But I, I yeah, I always thought that one that one would be kind of cool. Um, yeah, and and certainly with some things that are introduced in later seasons, there would be reason for you to believe that people would be capable of something like that. Oh, that would have been, that would have been extremely cool. I, I would love to see, I would love an alternate reality where, where, where what was, what the real truth in Lost was, was that all of these people were, were in this, were, you know, in some sort of like alternate reality kind of, kind of technological or like medical device or something. And so what's happening is like psychologically true for the characters, but it's like you get to have this great fantastic stuff like the monster mm-hmm. uh, and all the mysteries of the island, and it's like you don't have to worry too much about it. Like that was always what was what was great about Lost to me, and where it where it ultimately fell apart. That's in like the, end. the the that's the premise of that movie Westworld, right? Like the uh, Michael Crichton film, where in the future they or Michael what's Crichton it? book it, that was adapted to a film in which. Like a bunch of rich people pay to go to like an old West Town, uh, Wild West Town run by robots, and everything goes wrong. It's like Jurassic Park, but huh. an old West Town with robots. I mean, and they're very... adapting that now again into an HBO show because it's still a great premise. Also, a pretty good movie. Westworld is a pretty good movie. Uh, very Inception-y to me. I mean, and Inception sure, did a yeah. great job of that of like the the psychological realities of a dream. So, which, would, right. which all, yeah, you could see how that would play into a lot of like the weird shit that goes on the hallucinations and, and things like the why you would have like 
parts of your consciousness projected into to the world. Yeah, Jack seeing his father on the yeah. island, that whole thing. So um, it's, it's super easy to see why that like remained a persistent theory for, for a long time. All right, well, let's, uh, let's close out. If you stick around after the theme music, we'll have just a few minutes of uh, spoiler chat this week. Um, next week, we're going to be watching Confidence Man. Um, that is our first ever Sawyer episode. Um, I actually don't remember exactly what happens in the episode, but I remember it being really solid. Um, yeah, if it's, it's a really one good... I think it is with the shrimp cart. Boy, that would be a very early reveal. I feel like that maybe is later. That would be a very early reveal of a big mystery, of, of showing you a big mystery in Lost. Yeah. But it would be pretty... I can't tell the oh, story. Wait, no, no, yeah, well, wait, do you know the other part of that? I don't want to say anymore. Okay, all right, we'll talk about it next week. Um, but but a solid episode, I remember really liking it. So your backstory episodes, uh, I think, generally speaking, in the show were yeah were usually really good. Yeah, he's a great, he's a good character, and it's fun seeing him in situations that aren't the He's island. very complicated, right? Yeah. Like, and that, you know, as we've talked, the, the best backstories are where the nuances of that character, and it plays out so well in... And differently in the island and flashback dynamic. Yeah, Sawyer is top five character for for sure. Yeah, um, and also like another, I mean, a, a fun, uh, another great example of like, like a great fun switch of like you don't necessarily like this guy on the island, and you you kind of have this one note impression of you him. Want, you want to root for him though. Yeah, and and the flashback really fleshes out his character and gives him a lot more depth. I mean, very much like you saw with Locke and Charlie. Um, the show notes for this episode. Um, including we'll put up the Driveshaft website and the script for this episode. They're available at rewatchpodcast.com along with the show notes for every episode. Um, as always, you can email us your questions or comments at rewatchpodcast at gmail.com or you can send them to us on Twitter at, we're at rewatchpodcast. Um, thanks to Steve Fabwash Kim for our artwork. Thanks to Dose One for our theme music. You can check out his work, including his ringtone of the month, at doseone.bandcamp.com. Thank you to Lex Friedman in the mid-roll for hooking up our sponsorships. Thanks to John Buda and our friends at Simplecast for our podcast hosting. Um, thank you to our new sponsor, Igloo. Uh, pleasure to, uh, to have you guys uh, on board the show. And thanks to all of you for listening uh, along with us. Um, it is a huge help to us if you leave us a little review or subscribe to our show on iTunes. And Please. we will see you next week. Son, over here. I'm over here at the banyan trees. Hey, son, over here. I'm over here at the banyan trees. Hey, son, over here. I'm over here at the banyan trees. All right, spoiler chat. What was the thing we were going to talk? We had something we were going to talk about. Oh, first, let's start with. Oh, no, okay, we're not actually talking yet. Let me uh, pull up the, the emails. Oh, we're talking. Are we talking? It's going. Okay. All right, well, why don't you start while I start looking up uh, emails that people had sent us uh, following up. Uh, you had your your pitch for the Telltale. Oh, yeah, okay. Game. The tail section. You are oh, the tail section. Because, like, fuck. that was something, that was a story that I loved that got shoehorned into a single episode. And What was it, the, the other 48 hours yeah. or something like now, that? Now, that's a very divisive episode of Lost. Do you like that episode? I feel like I liked learning about it, but felt it was way too fast and scattered. Yes, I agree. I want to see more of it, but it's one of my favorite episodes of Lost. I love it. It answers so many mysteries in a very satisfying way in one episode. You meet these great characters that are a great fit into the Lost universe. I love the dynamic of uh, that whole group. I like Anna Lucia as a character at that point in the show a Mm. lot because she's like a dark Jack She's like she's like Bizarro Jack, right? She's like Jack that totally gets off on on her authority, and she's yep. she's militaristic, and it's like it also invites the question of like if the the others have been attacking the 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 main group for this long, would they have turned and been as dark? Right? It's just such a 
great oh, I just love it it's like Bizarro Lost and they skip big stretches of time and I think you could have easily fit a bunch of plots in with the tail section and you could have also introduced all these characters just for the game that then get killed or taken by the others right right because it's ultimately like and then you don't have to worry about any of the like forcing them to interact with Locke and right. Charlie and yeah. and all that stuff and then worrying about contradicting the arc of what's happening with those characters like a lot of stuff can happen with it gives it would actually give you creative freedom yes. to tell an interesting story in the world of the island where it's touching the mysteries of the island but not but not doing too much oh, I like that yeah I want to play I would play that I would still play that well, unfortunately, you're going to have to play Lost via Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunate reality of your situation is that you're actually going to have to play the really bad. Well, I'm excited to play it if nothing photo, else. Photo like, journalist like, Lost make, video I want to make the lock voice, the bad lock voice. So oh. I feel like that's a club I want to I want to join. Paul Eiding, we are going to find you. We are going to find you. Uh, let's see. So da, 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 da. we'll uh, pick up this first um couple comments uh, from uh, Stephen Drabik, uh, who says, uh, First, dude, I do not believe the smoke he possesses the bodies of the dead people. I think he just takes their form. We know this because he is in his Locke form while Locke is still in the crate. We're talking much later in the series uh, when they bring Locke's body back. Uh, also, he appears as Alex in front of Ben in Dead is Dead. So I don't think this explains where Christian bodies went, but it's likely that wherever it was, Smokey saw it and realized he had a new person to impersonate. Perhaps he buried it somewhere so Jack wouldn't come across it. I yeah, he's he's right about that. A couple of people had pointed that out later on was uh, that he doesn't actually possess the bodies. It's just that Smokey Man in Black needs knowledge of the body, which then explains what. What we does that mean? Talking. Knowledge of the body. Well, it explains it explains what we were trying to resolve as the contradiction of Echo's brother, right? Because Echo's brother is clearly not on the island, but Echo's brother appears to Mister Echo. At some point. And so, how is that explained? Because the smoke monster examines Echo's Mr. Echo. brother's body isn't on the island? No, he is on the island. Is it in the plane? His skeleton. Remember when Boone goes in the plane, there's a skeleton? Is that his brother? I, who else would it be? I don't remember. Well, either way. Either way. Here we like, go. I'm going to go on Ben's, Google. Ben's mother showing up, you know, she was never on the island. So, you, Smokey just needs knowledge of, that's why he scans. Then he gets knocked. Yeah, Echo's brother, Yemi, he died in the plane crash on the island. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then that doesn't solve that one. What's the other one? Someone's mother? What? Ben's mother. Ben's mother? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, no, wait. No. Mm, Alex. Who? Alex is... Not Ben's mother. Alex. Alex is the... Uh, do you remember um, who's... Oh, oh, it's Rousseau. Young Rousseau. Yeah. No. No? Al- no? No, Russo's daughter. Yes. Yes. Okay. So he appears, Smokey appears as Alex, even though it's not Alex. Well, wait a minute. Doesn't she die? I remember her dying. She does die. I don't know. Let's move on from this. Uh, now we're going. We're no, ahead. I'm going to find out the okay. answer. How All does right. she die? Doesn't Alex. Does Ben kill her? Ben Aha! Alex appears posthumously as a manifestation of the smoke monster mm. to judge Ben for Alex's death. Mm. Does Ben know that the smoke monster can be bodies? Does he know? I don't know. And that was an interesting thing about Ben's character that I wasn't sure that I liked was that he was set up as the guy who knew everything, and it turns out he knew nothing and he couldn't do anything. Well, it was like an attitude thing, right? He, he, that's why he was able to maintain control for as long as he did was just like asserting himself as the man in charge. Uh, we know one thing for sure about Jacob's candidates is also from Steven. Uh, Smokey can't kill them directly. Uh, his ploy with the submarine involved getting them to accidentally set off the bomb timer so it would explode. Wait, taking, what happened to the pilot? Taking this in, just hold, okay. taking this into account, his appearance as Christian in White Rabbit is more interesting if you believe that he initially led Jack on a wild goose chase in order to get him to trip and fall off the cliff. He could not have pushed him off, but he could get Jack to run off on his own accord. Uh, oh, shit, I didn't bring the, the last paragraph in that. Yeah, the caveat about not killing pilots, or not bleh, killing candidates, runs into a speed bump a little bit. 
because Echo appears as number 76 on the lighthouse. It may be an oversight from whichever crew members put up the names, or maybe there's a loophole in the rule when Echo refuses to confess his sins and ask forgiveness. Another discussion for another time. It should be noted, however, that Norris, a.k.a. the pilot, is not seen on the candidates list, hence why he could be shredded like he did. So the rule set for Smokey is that he cannot kill the candidates. He can try and kill them by putting them in situations. What, 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 what rule? Where are these rules from? They're explained in the, like the latter half of season six. <laughs> I don't remember this. Yeah, he, the, okay. it's when you start the lighthouse and. Why does he turn into smoke? I don't remember that either. I don't think that. I don't think that's explained. Sure. Okay. I don't think that's explained. Okay. But it's that at least within the logic explains why he can kill the pilot, and why he can kill like Rousseau's team, as he does late also in season I, six. Once, I so what? Once, if so, you're not a candidate, then you, yeah, you can be directed. I'm, I'll keep that in the back of my mind, but I think like. My preferred sort of headcanon here is that, you know, that the game is already afoot between man and white, between Jacob and man in black, mm-hmm. right? And that the man in black, we're, 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 wait, Jacob is trapped in the cabin at this point? Or did we, someone said that wasn't the case? We talked about this last week and I already, it's already, I'm confused well, that was, about That it. was a couple of weeks ago. Anyway, whatever point. reason, yep. Jacob's not really in the game yet. So it's mainly the man in black and he's already. Man- he, Jacob's contained. He's kind of, he, things are set in motion and now he's sort of. Right. And the man in black is doing all he can to tear people apart. So mm-hmm. he has possessed Christian Shepherd to show them the caves. So they have this big battle happening over the caves right yeah. now, um, which I always felt like it would have been awesome if that escalated into like a, like an actual fight or conflict like between two groups of people and right. there were like two leaders, but it never committed that fully. Um, he's clearly manipulating the hell out of Locke to the point where I think when Locke says the island will give you your guitar back, like Locke really thinks he's the island. I think that's... Yeah, for sure. You think so? And and I think he's his version of being the island is do, enacting the will of, of Man in Black. Yes. That the he Man in Black is... He doesn't know that. Like, right. He, yeah, he's no, no. being, you know, very manipulated at this point, but, you know, I think it's clear from the front that, that the Man in Black sees... Locke as this conduit for his will and Locke is so desperate to be in control and ha- because of what's been given to him on this island he feels like he has to repay that faith like his faith is in the island he just doesn't know the island is this guy that ultimately wants to destroy the world or by leaving he destroys the world I guess as a byproduct um, we've also got da 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 uh Caleb O'Brien says, Another episode you complained without stating specifically about the Dharma food drop and how it was a deus ex machina for food on the island and how it was never explained. Well, never explained on the show, there was a short 10-minute episode on the Season 6 DVD, The New Man in Charge, uh, where Ben visited a warehouse where two Dharma employees were packaging the food. They said they'd been doing it for 20 years, dropping the packages via drones to a variety of locations. The locations, Ben explains, are provided by the unmanned lighthouse station. I did see that video, and I was satisfied that that answered one of the central enduring mysteries of Lost for me that I was very frustrated that they... Why didn't they just show that in an earlier season? People would have gone insane. They, I think the reason they they said was they just... It was one that they had on their list. They knew what the explanation was. But they just a, never found... But like I, a, it's such nonsense. That it's, such, it's, so, it's like people were going insane in the later seasons. They were like, just answer some mystery for us. Why didn't they just work you know, two minutes into one of these like boring Kate flashback episodes. <laughs> just, just a hallucination shows up and just says, Hey, you want to know how they get food on this just, island? I don't know. They could have done it. Meet me by the banyan trees and I'll show you where the food is. 